Hi everyone, I'm JJ Hornblast and welcome to FinTech Unfiltered from Bank Innovation, the leading digital news service on banking and FinTech. This is our weekly wrap on what's happening in banking innovation for the week of June 22nd, 2020. Uh, before beginning, I wanna thank Bank Innovation advertisers, Abby, Infogroup, Mambu, and Q2 for their support, so thank you very much to them. I am joined today by Bianca Chan and Rick Morgan from the Bank Innovation team. And as well, we have a special guest, Robert Kirk, uh, the CEO and founder of Intergen Data. Welcome, Rob, to the crew uh, this week. We are happy to have you. It is Friday, June 26th, 2020. Uh, before getting into the, the, the uh, recap of the week, Rob, why don't you Tell us a little bit about Intergen, which is a, a, a member of the current class of INV FinTech, and maybe a little bit about yourself as well, Rob. Yeah, absolutely, thank you. So thank you for having me here. Um, Intergen Data is a company I started several years ago to really kind of overcome some of the big problems we have today. Um, and that's basically, we don't know what to actually save for, and we don't know how much to save for. Uh, inevitably, that points to the fact that um, we don't plan for bad things to happen, but when life throws you that proverbial curveball, you either get hit or you hit it. So you have to deal with it. And what we, what we did was develop some technology that allows firms and people and employees to really understand what types of life events are likely to happen to them. So what's likely to happen to you, when it's likely to happen, and then most importantly, what type of expense that that could be in the future. And this comes from the perspective of what we would call health and wealth. So your, your health and your critical illnesses or your potential to get those critical illnesses and the wealth, the good things, maybe like the birth of children or getting married, uh, but sometimes also the negative things like getting a divorce or whatnot. So we try to predict that. We take in some data and we, we allow people to use our data in return and, and see their answers. Great. Um, so the first item that we're going to talk about today uh, probably really, you know, does really fit into what uh, Intergen is all about. Um, uh, Rick, you did a story this week about uh, emotional intimacy uh, yeah. in financial services brands. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if any of us should be shocked, but financial services brands did not rank highly uh, in emotional connections uh, to brands. So first of all, when they're talking about this emotional branding, uh, what exactly uh, does that mean? And uh, you know, how poorly did financial services do in this regard? Well, they could have done worse, so it's not all bad. Um, they did 11th out of 15 total industries. Uh, the top was media and entertainment, I believe. Uh, and I think travel and luxury came in either last or second last. Um, um, so they did do better than some industries. And basically what they're looking at is uh, how emotionally connected do customers feel to their brands. Um, they surveyed like 6,200 consumers in the U.S., Mexico, and uh, the United Arab Emirates um, to kind of find out. They asked them about a 20-minute survey, sort of surveying like, you know, how emotionally connected are you to your brands? Like, what did, how do you feel about them on like a personal level? Um, and they found that, you know, financial services, while not doing very well, could have been worse. Um, 
And they, the kind of the, I guess the alarming thing for financial services should be that um, the companies that do well uh, on these sort of emotional connection surveys uh, generally outperformed S&P and the Fortune 500 companies quite significantly when it comes to both profit and revenue. So it's not just like voodoo magic, like it actually has a, a very important impact on your bottom line. Right. I would think, Rob, that there's, uh, you, you would have a perspective around uh, data contributing uh, potentially to emotional uh, uh, brand connection. Is that, is that how you, you know, is there a connection between uh, data and analytics? Can you make that, that jump to, to create more connectivity on the brand side? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting, um, we as people, we tend not to plan for bad things to happen. I don't plan to lose my job. I don't plan to go bankrupt. I don't plan to lose a loved one. But when it does happen, then you have to, like I said, deal with it. Now, the interesting part there is if you have, let's say something good happen in life, like you have a child. Well, you now know you're going to spend X amount of dollars, X amount of time dealing with that, bringing up the, you know, carefully and lovingly with that little, that new little person. But 15 years from now, there's a vehicle, 18 years from now, there's college, you know, another five years, you have children, you have marriages, you have homes. So you have all of these that happen in sequence. So when we think about understanding where we are at our stages in life, I can tell you from the perspective of dealing with me, that if you sent me emails or ads or special services to buy of products and you're talking to me about my first job or you're talking to me about taxes, I'm 51. If I'm looking at my first job, I've got so many other problems, right? So if you're not dealing with me and you're not contextually relevant to me, then I kind of brush you aside. And on the negative events, when things that are bad that happen, you really kind of have to talk to me about what do I do next? And when you miss that you're, and you're just not on the mark, yeah, that's why financial services doesn't do well. People don't like to have those tough conversations. They don't like to say, now that this has happened, you're going to have to spend more money. Or how are you going to do that? I don't know, but that's why I employ you. You're the advisor. You need to help me. And those are conversations that I think most people, they're just not taught how to do, and so they miss the mark. By yeah. having, oh, sorry, Frank, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that's interesting that you bring that up. Some of the financial services companies that were specifically named, they had like a sub-report. Um, this is a company that ran the study, was called uh, MBLM Emblem, um, and they focus on brand in intimacy. Uh, and they actually have a sub-report about financial services specifically, and they mentioned what you were talking about, Rob. Um, some of these uh, banks are actually the ones that are doing well, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, when a lot of Americans are facing uh, financial hardship, um, are reaching out to customers and like asking them to explain their specific financial situation, yeah. delaying mortgage payments, delaying personal loan payments, whatever. Um, and that's how they can, you can really resonate with consumers during, during a tough time. Right. And, and to me, if I can, that's really key because COVID-19 um, is affecting minorities even more so, right? And if you think about the, the Schwab study of 2019 and the BLS study that recently came out, they basically say the same thing, that 60% of America has problems to, for a $400 unexpected bill. And they have to go out and take loans. They don't know how to pay for these things. So if you're not helping me during that time and you're not 
relevant to me and you're not using that data. So A, you're reacting, but imagine if you could flip that and use that data to become proactive and help people. Now you change the scenario to maybe help them overcome that. So data is key to that. And Rick, I, I, hopefully you can send me that link because I'd love to see some more or about that data. Sure, yeah. We also saw this week um, a transformation uh, effort at Citizens Bank uh, to update its uh, core banking system, which is kind of like trying to do root canal on, on uh, 100 people at the same time. I don't know, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but it's not pleasant. Um, but they've actually come up with some creative solutions for it. Um, Bianca, this whole concept of layering, what, what is sort of be, behind this, um, this uh, Citizens Bank effort and, um, and, and what's kind of a key goal that they have over there? Mm -hmm. This is all part of um, an overarching kind of goal of citizens to just digitally transform their core banking systems, which as we know, is extremely difficult to do since usually built on legacy tech stacks that don't like to talk to other <laughs> legacy tech stacks. And so the interesting workaround that Citizens has is if you think about it this way, they've basically attached um, a new kind of layer, they call it a data intelligence platform that pulls all of this customer information and does the data analytics on it. Then they've taken this service layer that connects all of the data intelligence platforms between all of the different siloed um, core banking systems. So it's kind of like this patchwork solution workaround to instead of having to replatform their core banking system, they've um, almost like attached these side roads that can talk to each other. Uh, and it, it's like I said, all about trying to get to this omni-channel approach which kind of fits into what um, you know you guys were talking about earlier about being contextually relevant. I think that what Citizens is really trying to do is make sure that their employees, whether it's like at the branch or call center or online, um, kind of like knows what the customer situation is and can provide relevant advice or information or personalized messaging, whether that's like depending on what product you have with the bank or where you are geographically speaking. So. I think it's this overall push that we're seeing. And um, I think a lot of banks struggle to attain this omni-channel view because their, their systems are just built on these really old frameworks that make it very difficult. Uh, Rob, you, I mean, the data that is necessary to create the kind of personalization that you sort of, you, that you envision, or I mean, certainly through intergen, but that even empirically kind of thinking about financial services or, you know, bank, banking institutions, you know, what, it, how, how deep does it have to go? Uh, and how, how nimble does the, um, the data application need to be to really provide the level of personalization that you, you really think financial institutions should aspire to? Wow, how many days do we have for this answer? <laughs> so we have will, exactly four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll try and break it down into um, some its most simplistic root pieces that I see. 
one, I love what they're doing, right? So I also take that same approach, that patchwork approach, Bianca. I don't take that negative. I think that's a very positive thing. So we're aggregating data from multiple places, the government, private resources, companies, all of it is anonymized. And we do not take in PII data. So when I look at how do you break down people, let's, let's take a simple, uh, a simple action, right? So before COVID happened, the moment that they said, we're closing our doors, markets tanked. At that point in time, we saw so certain groups of people call. We saw other groups of people go to the internet. We saw other groups of people look at emails. Each one of us has the thing that we like to do, our interaction. And that bias allows companies to say, hey, at this time, when the market drops a thousand points, we get calls from everybody. Okay, but who called versus who emailed versus who went to a chat bot versus, you know, you start to collect the data on those pieces. So then once you start to go back and correlate that to, hey, that's happened in history multiple times, we can start to think about this and why don't we get ahead instead of having them call or if they're on the email channel, let's email them in advance. Here's the things that you're typically looking at. Here's the things that affect your account, right? And so those types of things, we're seeing some firms do some really innovative stuff around. I believe Citizens is going to take this a little bit further because now they're going to go and hit the various platforms that I want to use. That's great. Mm -hmm. And to your further question about how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go of data? Uh, that's up to you. I, I tend to think that as people, um, as an example, we do things because something affects us. There's an event, then I react to that event, and then I do something. I laugh and I use this example all the time, but every one of us here, um, we have insurance, but none of us bought it because it was on sale, right? We, we bought something, we broke something, we created something, then we act, right? You bought your house, need insurance. You do this, then you do that. And so you, you kind of mingle that piece with the behavioral finance. So when the event happens, now you kind of know how people will react. That can help you in multiple ways. And lastly, if I can be real brief, you don't put the, the surfer Californian dude against the brash New Yorker who wants his information right now on the call together. So if you link the event to some interaction, you don't put the two together in a call center. Similarly, you want to make sure you talk to me in the manner that I want to listen and be talked and spoken to. So that's where all that data kind of gets combined and, and that's where it gets exciting in my opinion. Cool. Um, looking ahead to next week, uh, Rick and Bianca, what do you have coming up? I'll be looking at um, how some financial institutions are looking to use blockchain, which I know is kind of like a controversial buzzword in, in banking whether it's actually um, you know, providing value or if it's too early. Uh, and then also looking at some product launch that um, a firm, which is a direct-to-consumer point-of-sale lender has um, in the works. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at a couple community banks and how they're using tools from some technology vendors to create um, better financial wellness metrics uh, to help consumers with their financial health. Um, the one bank executive I spoke to said they ripped the top off of a uh, banking solution. So we'll learn a little bit more about what that actually means. And Rob, what could we expect uh, from Intergen over the next uh, couple of months or so? We're working on uh...
uh, quite a bit of data correlating um, COVID with how it affects people. Um, not only your likelihood to um, get sick, but also those expensive costs. Uh, we're also building out a index that actually says, if you have these types of comorbidities or, or co-diseases, what does that really mean? Does it increase it more? Does it decrease it? And how can you kind of use that to plan? So we're building out a lot on that right now. Very cool. Well, we wish you good luck and good luck in the uh, INV FinTech uh, Accelerator. Uh, we have um, our next, the next Bank Innovation event is Bank Innovation Build, September 9 to 10. There are speakers from City, Stash, Bluevine, Ally, RBC, probably Rob will be there too. Uh, so please visit bankinnovationbuild.com. We want to really hear from you. Uh, so please rate FinTech Unfiltered wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to visit us online at bankinnovation.net. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. And until next time, keep it unfiltered. Bye, everyone.